In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. In the Gospel of Luke, our Lord says the following about his coming passion, his crucifixion. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Lord Jesus, it's good for us to see your eagerness to love us in this way. It's good for us to see how you long for the cross, how you long for the passion. It's hard for us to understand, we who shy away from suffering so much, who have such a great love for comfort. But it's good, it's good for us to see this, that our Lord describes his love on earth as a fire that he has to bring to the earth. And he wants it already kindled. And it's lit, it's kindled on the cross. And the fuel for the fire is our Lord's own human life, his own body. Our call to holiness, therefore, is a call, as we know, to imitating our Lord and imitating his love for us on the cross. And so we too have to have hearts that are on fire with love for God, on fire with love for others. We can't be lukewarm. We can't be indifferent. We have to be eager, like our Lord, to make sacrifices, eager to love God and others with deeds and not just with our words or our, our thoughts. And this is um, scary, <laughs> right? Who wants to be on fire? To be on fire, we have to we have to be willing to be burned, to be purified. And so we ask our Lord for courage. Lord, give me the courage to be someone who's truly on fire. What a great compliment that is of anyone. He's on fire. She's on fire. It means they pray a lot and they're apostolic and they have a lot of energy and they have a big heart, right? They don't mind putting themselves out to help others. What a great compliment to be someone on fire, a Christian on fire. Yeah, she's really on fire now. He's really on fire now. Someone who's really living close to our Lord and especially with the enthusiasm to spread the gospel, the enthusiasm to help others in spite of personal costs. This, I think, is what our Lord reveals to us about himself in this passage from Luke. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. That yearning for love, that yearning to help others, and not counting the cost, accepting the cross in order to do this. But this is certainly something that takes courage, and the Bible 
tells us very clearly that um, that it's scary, right? Holiness, being close to God, is frightening. It's okay to be frightened by the prospect of love, by the prospect of holiness, because it is frightening. It demands a radical change, and it demands a certain acceptance and embracing of of difficulty, of suffering, of purification. Among other books in the Bible, the letter to the Hebrews perhaps gets across this frightening or threatening side of Christianity the best. For instance, Hebrews 10.31 reads, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And in another passage from Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 29, we read, For our God is a consuming fire. And so that fire which Jesus wants to light on the cross is actually a revelation of what God is in himself. As we know from from the letter of St. John, God is love. Deus caritas est. And that love has the characteristic of fire. It's something that burns. It's something that purifies. It's something that gives off heat and light for others. And the great manifestation of God's presence in the Old Testament reflects this. God speaks to Moses out of the burning bush, the bush which is burning but not consumed, giving off light and heat, purifying, and yet Eternal, right? Not being exhausted. Eternally renewing itself. And why is this scary for us? It's scary for us because we're not like this, right? That we are self-centered. We don't want to. We don't want to be a source of energy for others because it entails sacrifice. And so to draw near to God is indeed uh, something fearful, something frightening. Because it means kind of, in a certain sense, cracking open our egoism, cracking open ourself to make us more like Christ. It entails a real purification, a real transformation, which is painful. It's like resetting a broken bone. It's, uh, it's no fun, but it's absolutely necessary. This reminds me of um, a great quote from St. Aloysius Gonzaga, a young Jesuit saint who said, I am a crooked piece of iron and have come into religion to be made straight by the hammer of mortification and penance. I am a crooked piece of iron and I have to be bent back into shape, bent straight to be like Christ. And that happens how? Through self-denial, mortification and penance. Lord, help us open ourselves to the fire of your love, the fire that is you. And help us, Lord, to be brave, to to let the rough spots of my character, my unwillingness to love others generously, my love of comfort, to let any of those imperfections be burned, right? be purified by, by you, Lord, and by my own willingness to try to be like you, to try to love more. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the heart.
This is from the book of Proverbs. That the crucible purifies silver, and the furnace, right, fire, purifies gold. But the Lord tests or purifies the heart. And how do we do this? How do we grow in a spirit of zeal, a spirit of fervor? Right? Being someone who is up for it and willing to undergo sacrifices to love God and to love others. Well, I think in the first place, we, we need to ask for it. Lord, as many of the saints pray, we could pray. Lord, give me your heart. Lord, give me your love. St. Philip Neri prayed for this, and he had an incredible mystical experience. This won't happen to us, but something similar will happen through grace. He had a vision of, of this ball of fire. And the ball of fire was a symbol of, of God, of God's love. And he opened his mouth. And the ball of fire descended into his mouth and then down down into his throat and then settled in his chest. And from that point on, he had a greater love. And the autopsy at his death showed that his heart was of an abnormal size. And people witnessed that they could hear his heart beating from across the room, if they were in the room, with St. Philip. And so to ask for the love of God, to ask that our Lord's love come into our heart, is a great prayer, is a great thing to ask for. Lord, we want to be on fire. Lord, I don't want to be self-concerned. Lord, I don't want to be a slave to love of comfort. Lord, I don't want to be a selfish person. I want to be someone who, when people talk about me or come away from being with me, they can have that sense. Maybe they don't express it this way, but he's on fire. She's on fire. She's living for God and others. She's accepting the difficulties of her life but not letting them overwhelm her, not letting them overwhelm him. Rather, accepting them and choosing to love and choosing not to worry too much about, about his or her own problems. This desire to be on fire, this desire, Lord, to share in your eagerness to help people, your eagerness to help the world, is at the same time a desire to avoid lukewarmness. They have a great hatred and fear of becoming lukewarm. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot, we read in the book of Revelation. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Because you are lukewarm, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. Other translations have vomit. So lukewarmness is something detestable to our Lord. It, it makes him want to throw up, to vomit. It's disgusting. It's nauseating. We don't want to be this for our God who loves us so much. Lord, keep me from lukewarmness. I don't want to be something that causes you nausea, that makes you want to vomit. 
Lord, rather I want to be sweet and pleasing to you. I want to be a comfort to you. I want to be an aid to you, someone you can count on in the world to spread the gospel and to love others with your love. No to lukewarmness. And to avoid lukewarmness, it's good for us to think about it, to pray about it. Well, what is lukewarmness? Lukewarmness, St. Thomas Aquinas defines it as sorrow over a spiritual good. And a certain sadness that comes when we're confronted with spiritual goods. And at first sight, that's paradoxical, right? Spiritual goods, like all goods, are supposed to bring joy. And so how could we sorrow over a spiritual good? What happened there? Well, the trick here is that spiritual goods are what are called arduous goods or difficult goods. And difficulties of themselves don't bring joy, but rather pain and sorrow. And so the spiritual goods have a difficulty attached to them. They're difficult to attain. They take effort and change to achieve. And because that effort and change is difficult, instead of being happy about achieving the spiritual good, we might focus on the difficulty and therefore become depressed or sad or reluctant, slow to want spiritual goods because of the difficulty. And so to fight against lukewarmness, first of all, is have the right vision. We have to see the difficulties of the spiritual life, the conversion entailed, the periods of sorrow or dryness we have to go through, precisely as opportunities to grow in virtue, as opportunities to love, even though it's even though it's no fun, right? It's not bringing us happiness in the moment or joy in the moment, even though they're difficult to understand them as worth it, right? worth the effort to go through, worth the difficulty of enduring those trying circumstances of, of achieving spiritual goods. If we do that, if we, if we get to the habit of embracing the difficulties attached to the prayer life, attached to charity, attached to our Christian duties, well, then what happens? Well, we become what's called on fire, right? That's what it means to be vibrant. That's what it means to be fervent. It's not necessarily emotional. We may not, we may not feel vibrant or fervent, but if with our will we're totally accepting the challenges of our Christian life, some periods of sadness, some periods of purification, some periods of, of dryness, if we're accepting them because we, with our mind and our will, we have our heart set on the greater good, which is love and trust in God, almost immediately, <laughs> but for that very reason, we're on fire. Right? We're loving with deeds. We're loving with sacrifice. And so like someone working out who doesn't necessarily like the daily grind of the, uh, of the exercise, well, he keeps getting up and doing it every day anyway. Why? Because he says, well, the, the result, what I'm after, is worth it. Whatever that is, greater health or competing in some competition that's upcoming or just the discipline, right, of getting moving in the morning and, and uh, getting some exercise to start the day, which is, which is psychologically helpful. The good that is being aimed at helps us to accept and, and embrace even 
the difficulties of getting there uh, or attached to achieving it. This is something St. Maria called sporting spirit, right? having a sporting spirit in our interior life. And what did he mean by that? Well, you know, good competitive athletes like challenges. They embrace training for the sake of the goal. They like competition. They like being challenged by a, a worthy competitor. Their eyes light up, he would say. Their eyes light up uh, when faced with the obstacle that they have to overcome. And does that make it easy? No, it's hard. Um, but it's but those challenges are willingly, energetically embraced, endured. Right? They are met. We go forward to meet them. As our Lord, after the prayer in the agony of the garden, says, rise, my betrayer is at hand. Rise, let us be going. Right? He gets up to meet the cross. He gets up to approach the situation, to embrace it. Bishop Javier Echeverria, who was the prelate of Opus Dei, well, he also ordained me. Um, he died a, a number of years ago now. He used to say, we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. We have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I would say that's a great way to describe the fight against lukewarmness. Right? Lukewarmness is, is fearing discomfort too much. A love of comfort. Right? A hatred of difficulty. And how do you fight that? Well, you have to flip the switch, right? I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And if I'm too comfortable, I become uncomfortable <laughs> because I know that perhaps I'm not loving because uh, you know I'm not putting an effort into this day. And now, of course, we have to rest. We need times of rest and relaxation. But if we focus on that too much, it's very easy to become lazy. It's very easy to become lukewarm. It's very easy to despise and fear the difficulties associated with, with growth in the spiritual life. So we have to kind of flip the switch and say, well, no, I like being challenged. I like challenging myself. I'm okay being, I'm okay being uncomfortable. And this is, this is the ascetical struggle, right? Basically, things like fasting, mortification, good use of our time, sticking to a plan, sticking to a plan of life. It's amazing, in the 1930s, St. Josemaria wrote The Way. And there are points in there where you think, oh my gosh, you could have written this yesterday. This is from The Way. Dissipation. You slake your senses and faculties in whatever pool you meet on the way. And you can feel the results. Unsettled purpose, scattered attention, deadened will, and quickened concupiscence. Subject yourself once again to a serious plan that will force you to lead a Christian life, or you'll never do anything worthwhile. Right? Dissipation, the scattering of our attention, the thinning out of our soul because we pour it into all those distracting things, some of them perhaps occasions of sin, others perhaps just you know occasions of undue anxiety or lacks of charity or right? things in the news that, okay, that's annoying. I know that's bad, but do I need to read three articles about it? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. 
Right? Reading three articles might not be good for me. Knowing what's happening, fine. But not too much. And that uh, lack of mortification of our imagination, of our senses, leads precisely to this unsettled purpose. Right? A lack of drive, lack of fire. Scattered attention. We can't, we can't uh, pay attention to our Lord. We, we, it's hard to read. It's hard to do anything that takes, that takes a concentrated effort. And quick and con- concupiscence, right? Our desires to eat too much or our sensual desires are um, provoked by not controlling our sight, not controlling our imagination. And what's the, what's the, um, what's the remedy to this state? of lukewarmness, basically, not wanting to struggle, lack of energy, lack of drive, lots of temptations. What's the remedy? The remedy is is challenging ourselves, discipline. Subject yourself once again to a serious plan that will force you to lead a Christian life, or you'll never do anything worthwhile. A plan of prayer, a plan of work, a plan of some self-denial, some mortification, so that if someone looks at my life, they could say, he's on fire. They might not, they might not know how hard it is for me or that I'm sad about it or that I don't feel like doing these things, but they see that I'm committed to it and I show up and I do these things and I'm there for people and they can come away and I talk about God and I share my faith and they come away saying, He's on fire. Oh, Jesus, I want to be a blazing fire of love madness. This is from the Forge of St. Josemaria, point 790. Oh, Jesus, I want to be a blazing fire of love madness. I want it to be sufficient for me just to be present in order to set the world on fire for miles around with an unquenchable flame. I want to know that I am yours. Then let the cross come. This is a marvelous way to suffer, to love, and to believe. This is called magnanimity, right? That the holy souls want greatness. Holy souls want to truly make an impact. Holy souls want God. And they want to be like God, united to God, get themselves out of the way. Oh, Jesus, I want to be a blazing fire of love madness. I want it to be sufficient for me just to be present in order to set the world on fire for miles around with an unquenchable flame. In our own way, Lord, we want what St. Philip Neri asked for and got, that the fire of your love descends into us and lodges in our heart and changes our heart, transforms our hearts, into hearts on fire, hearts that want to help others and don't count the cost and are faithful and aren't afraid of suffering and aren't lukewarm, right? aren't sad about things that are good. How absurd is that, right? to be sad about things that are good just because they're difficult? I mean, in a way it's absurd, in another way it's very understandable. We all, we all fall into it. But we want to be on fire. And the great thing is, is that we already are. Whether we feel it or not, or are committed to living it or not, if we're in the state of grace, 
We already have the fire of God within us. The fire of God is in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. St. Paul, of course, makes this point in the famous Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. We boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And so whether we feel it or not, spiritually, mystically, we could say, because it's a mystery, we already have what St. Philip Neri had. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And we notice here, too, this, this attitude of, of Christian fortitude, motivated by love. We boast in our sufferings. right? Uh, St. Paul in another place says, I rejoice in my infirmities. I'm excited about the difficulties. I have that good sporting spirit, as St. Josemaria would say it. We boast in our sufferings. We like them. We're proud of them. Why? Because when we face them well, they're for our good, right? They, they, uh, they help us achieve the good that we want to achieve. They're in service of the ideals that we're living for, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So there's a, there's a point to the difficulties when we embrace them willingly and voluntarily and not just bemoan them and pine away for a more comfortable life or, or uh, a life more to our liking, right? more, to our, more to our taste. A wise man once told me once in spiritual direction, I was going through something of a, of a difficult time and I was complaining in spiritual direction. And he told me, a sign that you're on the cross is that you're wriggling to get off of it. And a sign that you're on the cross is that you're trying to get off of it. And perhaps, Lord, that's important for us, that we think, oh, you know, if I only had this other cross, right, I can handle that, or this problem is not really the problem that I should have, and so I should abandon ship, <laughs> right? Um, no, the, the sign that we're on the cross is that it really hurts, and and that's where that's where the merit is in trying to be on fire, trying to embrace that cross, out of fidelity, out of love, out of concern for others, out of union. Right, this great way of uniting ourselves with our Lord, Lord Jesus. You're on the cross. There's no way to unite myself to you in my life without embracing the cross. And if I do that, Lord, what happens? Well, I become you. And with you, I can say, I came to bring fire to the earth, the fire of God's love, the fire of forgiveness, the fire of conversion, the fire of over overcoming sin and selfishness, and how I wish it were already kindled. We go to Our Lady, Our Lady's immaculate heart, like our Lord's sacred heart, is often pictured on fire, in flames. There are hearts that are, that are cooking, that are roasting with love. Like the burning bush, they burn and yet are not consumed. They burn and gain more energy from burning. Our Lady, Our Mother, Immaculate Heart, Heart 
on fire. Help us to fight against lukewarmness. Help us to embrace the challenges and difficulties of our life with sporting spirit. Help us like you to be up for whatever, whatever challenges and difficulties God has picked out for us so that we can gain with him the glory of heaven. And with you, we can help so many people. Our Lady, our Mother, Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.